I will be really honest and say the first time that I was selfish in my life, I was 15. I didn't honor it as the gift of what it was at the time. I was shamed by it because that's what the mm -hmm. world tells yeah. us about the word selfishness. In the 1600s, the word selfish got into lexicon because there was a Pentecostal bishop that absolutely said women have to be available to their husbands 24-7, give them sex whenever they want or else they were being selfish. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast made to inspire you to create a life and business on your own terms. You'll hear candid interviews with people who have boldly decided to blaze their own trail and the occasional solo show with me, your host. I'm Willa McDonough, on-camera coach, storyteller, and remote video producer. Five years ago, I moved from my home base of San Francisco to the coast of Portugal, taking a big leap into the unknown. Some called it courageous, I called it carving my own fucking path. Today I live in Lisbon and run a business that elevates your online presence, helping you show up confidently on camera to create videos that showcase your brand and personality so you can get more visibility and attract clients by being yourself. If you're just starting out in business or you've been doing it for a while, you're sure to pick up tidbits of actionable advice and hopefully feel inspired by stories from people who have chosen the unconventional and sometimes messy path. And if you've been waiting for a sign to start carving your own fucking path, this is it. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to the show, Nikita Thigpen. I'm just going to dive right in because I like to always ask what people are proud of. Yeah. And you have a lot of things to be proud of. You are the number one balance and relationship advisor, mm -hmm. and you help power couples and potent humans yeah. activate their right to own their selfishness mm -hmm. in order to also amplify relationship intimacy mm -hmm. and live better lives. You, your former life, you were a clinical social worker. So helping yeah. families go through trauma mm -hmm. and you are trained as a psychotherapist mm -hmm. in uh, sexology and relationships. You blended the two, like some coaching metaphysics, and you just like blazed your own path in the coaching industry. You have ultimately revolutionized the way that we can heal trauma at the same time, balancing life, work and love. And you do that through a variety of things. Um, one of them is your podcast. I think you're the OG of podcasting. <laughs> you interview experts and various people. And you also have a, an internationally best-selling book called Selfish, sitting there behind you. <laughs> Permission to pause, live, love, and laugh your way to joy. So thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm really honored to have you here. Well, I'm excited. Like I'm like <laughs> ready for all of it, girl, like all of it. <laughs> thank you for hosting me. Uh, thank you. The, what are you proud of? Could we just dive right in there quickly? Yeah, because definitely. Whoa, honey. I'm, <laughs> casual I, question. Right? Like super casual question and <gasps> so loaded at the same time. Um, mm. I'm proud of so many things in my life. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from a woman who had survivor's guilt and remorse for most of her adult life. I'm over 40 and things, guys. I'm a G-bunny at this point, a grandparent of toddlers. So, you know, I got a little, oh. 
little wisdom under my belt <laughs> these days. <laughs> little wisdom. My youngest is about to be 22. So if that gives any, you know, wow. perspective. I would not have guessed. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm really proud of so many things. Like the mother in me immediately pumps up when you ask that question. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm proud of the humans that I've brought for, forth in this world that are fantastic and messy. They're good in their soul. They're generous. They're givers. And although they could have better boundaries, they're working on, they're young, they're 26 and almost 22. So they're still mm-hmm. learning to navigate that. I'm also proud of my wonderful marriage to my husband because we went through some stuff. Do you hear Mm. me? Like Mm. we literally grew up together. Work-wise, I'm really, really, really proud of all of the potent humans and the power couples that I've worked with because I can't separate them. Some of those women worked with me privately without like waiting for their husbands or their partners to be ready to do the deeper work. And they've made such amazing strides from creating multi-million dollar empires after they released their trauma and the drama and all the stuff that was trapped underneath of really good work that they were bringing to the world, but it wasn't their best work. Down to multiple orgasms that I can help power couples achieve Mm. in in a deeper way. That was Mm. such a powerful question, Willow. Thank you. Thank you for answering it. So honestly and deeply as well. I would expect nothing less. Thank you. Can you bring us to this moment when you decided that I'm going to carve my own path? Mm. That was layered and spirally and filled with broken glass that I was walking over barefoot, honestly. Mm. When I transitioned from working in systems, you know, hospital systems, crisis center systems, all, all of the systems that I worked in, adoption, foster care, all of it. Like I wore a lot of hats as a clinician. When I decided to do it, it was two years after I received a vision. I'm very spiritual, as you know. And I had asked like, all right, God, I got a lot of good gifts going on here, but I'm feeling very much like the jack of all trades. Like I'm really good at so many things. It's really hard for me. And this is the humility of me speaking for everyone's listening. Like, damn, she's arrogant. Like, no, just honest, (laughs) just honest about my amazingness, just calling it out after so many years of hiding from it. And I, I literally was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, ultimately, what do you have for me? It was a great and powerful question to ask. And it was answered by a visual download, like a whole out-of-body mm. experience that I had where I sh- I saw the Institute. I saw the layers of what I would create, but I didn't know how to begin. And I should have mm. asked, how <laughs> do you want me <laughs> to do this? But instead mm. I said, what, instead of how, which is also a powerful question in and of itself. And it took me two years, two years of stretching myself of not trusting myself of figuring that I had to which ultimately I was getting in my way and not out of my way but trying to get out of my way I have never been without a minimum of three to five jobs simultaneously during degrees during birthing of the babies like all of it that was just who I was before Mm. I became an entrepreneur and a lot of that was the hiding, right? Like mm-hmm. I was hiding in the busy. Meanwhile, <laughs> like no sleep. I was on team no sleep and that wasn't good for me because I need sleep. I thrive with mm. good, healthy sleep hygiene, like all of it. Mm. Slowing down for me was the beginning of what would become a long, spirally, broken glass filled path of me choosing 
to honor who I am and not have to hide behind all the things. But it took me a long time to get there. I remember having a conversation two years, a little shy of two years after the original download came in. And I talked to my husband. So I said, why don't we start this empire we're creating with a staffing agency Mm. that helps people get out of their way financially? Because we know communication about finances is the number one reason that families start to break apart. And for me, it had always been about building stronger families one way or another. So I said, well, let's help them with their money. Let's shore them up in their self-esteem. Let's make sure they have jobs or side hustles, whatever it is that they need to give them the financial stability that they want. And we had a professional development arm, but we would then train them with all the juicy, gooey stuff that I ultimately do now. Mm -hmm. But it was out of alignment with who I really was because I was doing what, what was expected of me and not what I truly felt connected to. After we had lost a lot of money, well mm. over $100,000 in the first six to eight months of business, all of our savings completely bootstrapped, no loans, by the way. We are the Black family that had a 750 plus credit score and banks were like, no, sorry, can't serve you. Our marriage got hit hard because my husband was like, listen, was not going to happen is we're not going to be trying to figure out how to live in my mother's basement. So I had to face reality. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And what is going on? I had to tap into other brilliant willows of the world to support me because I can't see some of the things that you could see about me because I'm so in it. And Mm -hmm. I was living under what I think is one of the most dangerous sentences in the world, which is I already know already knew how to take care of my body, but it would be 12, 16 hours. And I'm like, oh, I I don't think I peed today. Like I already knew what I was supposed to do, but I wasn't doing it, which is why those markers kept showing up for me to get it done differently. Was this the first time that you felt out of control? Because it sounds like you were Mm -hmm. always managing this, doing, getting, this was the first time you jumped out of the airplane. That's a fantastic, no one has ever pointed that out or ask me that question. And yes, as an adult, it was the first time, like all of the doing couldn't get me out of this all because the doing I could do doing was actually pushing me further into this huge cataclysmic hole that was about to like turn itself on to me. Cause I was starting to feel the walls come like close in and suffocating me. Mm. Um, And it just wasn't, It wasn't where I wanted to be. It wasn't who I chose to be when I grew up. I wanted to be different. I was raised in dysfunction. I knew that I was meant for so much more, but I also always knew from a very young age, the biggest person that I had to fear was myself. I Mm. knew I was the threat. I was the threat to me, not to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm softy as long as nobody come against my kids, right? But, you know, or my man, you know, he can't, Mm -hmm. he can't too. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I would be the biggest challenge. I just didn't expect for me to show up as so much of a challenge because of the thing that I had held on to as security, which was my cerebralness, my smarts, mm-hmm. my intellect, my brain. And it was the very thing that was dragging me deep. Okay. That is the biggest realization you could have is that we are in our own way. Mm-hmm. You said out, you were out of alignment. How did that look? So physically, just not sleeping, not eating, not drinking water, that type of thing. What else to help other people realize, well, maybe I'm out of alignment. It's a word that I don't feel is used enough, but it's it's an important one. I agree completely. Out of alignment 
for me personally, and of course I can also speak to how it looks for other people from a, a professional perspective, but for me personally, I was literally falling off the rails. So I had activated a gene that I didn't know I have. I have a rare autoimmune. Mm. I didn't know that I had a genetic predisposition for this until it was turned on, right? Like, and wow. one of the things that can turn on those genes, those sleeping quiet genes that we have is high stress. When you become an entrepreneur, especially out of the gate, you're dealing with imposter syndrome, you're dealing with all the things. So I was still easily doing a 10 to 12 hour day on a on a light day, but it was a different type of energy that I was pouring mm -hmm. into it. Now, the things that wake me up in the middle of the night weren't the vicarious trauma for my families. It was, what if I disappoint? What if I can't, mm -hmm. you know, earn this amount of that? Because I was a hundred percent time invested into my company. There was no other income besides what my husband's income was, which was always very different than what my income was because of all the multiple jobs that he would look at me with three eyes like, why are you doing this? And this different woman was strange and weird and, you know, sexy and provocative in a, in a different way. But what it also showed up in is I became so aware of confidence issues that I didn't know I had. If you grew up with me, you would not say she has confidence issues. That would not, mm -hmm. I'm silly and, you know, all the things I've always been that way. Mm -hmm. But when it's time to get serious, like I can get really serious. But this new entrepreneur, Nikita, didn't know how to introduce herself when she walked in the room. It was bringing up all kinds of stuff for me that I honestly didn't even think was an issue. My confidence was hit because I was out of alignment. My energy was different. I was questioning, was I good enough? Was I worthy? Was I deserving? Was was the world ready for me? And not in a like, oh, child, I ain't ready. Not in a good, you know way, mm -hmm. but in a, oh no. You said the not enoughness. Would you say that your behavior before going, going, going mm -hmm. degree, multiple jobs that also was fueled by covering that up. It's like, you're standing up there naked all of a sudden, all the busyness and all the degrees you were spot on. Cause all of that was a trauma response too. All mm -hmm. of the super independence. I don't need nobody. I got this. It was a glamorous way to have on a mask, but it was like having a deformed body that an entrepreneurship made me feel naked. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of that was exposed in the, the different way, because I was used to dressing to the T's all of my issues. So no one would have any questions whatsoever. And you hit it spot on. So I just wanted to honor that you, mm. you hit that. I could feel mm -hmm. it. It's an extreme. Yeah. You were an extreme. Mm -hmm. And usually that comes from a space of pain, the selfishness the title of your book, mm -hmm. when did you become selfish? Woo, honey, how much time we got? So <laughs> much time as you want. Right. Thank you. So I will, I will be really honest and say the first time that I was selfish in my life, I was 15. I didn't honor it as the gift of what it was at the time, I was shamed by it because that's what the mm -hmm. world tells yeah. us about the word selfishness. In the 1600s, the word selfish got into lexicon because there was a Pentecostal bishop that absolutely said women have to be available to their husbands 24-7, give them sex whenever they want, or else they were being selfish. That's actually how that word got into our lexicon. 
and we shame each other with, with it. Mm -hmm. It's a negative word for sure. Right. Like super, super negative and hold so much weight for so even the most brilliant people I've had them say, "Mm, well, maybe you could try a different word. I'm like, "Mm." it was a download for me and I'm so okay. If you don't want to receive it, that's, it took me a long time too. It's okay. I had a download that the name of my first full book would be called Selfish. And I had a visceral body reaction to it. Mm. Like, what? I'm the least selfish person I know, right? I got clarity and, okay, this is when you were selfish. This is why selfish was good. So I redefined being intentionally selfish as a personal, intimate gift for yourself mm. that where you can create your joy. Like, it's the gift to you to create joy when you are intentional about it, which I'm very like clear mm-hmm. about because I don't want you to be in your ego or push people away or put yourself in a bubble and isolate yourself. We are meant to be social beings. We are meant to share our gifts and receive others. Like this is what we are meant for, but we are also meant to break boxes and to not placate our lives because we're trying to live to someone else's expired expectation of us, even our own expired expectation of ourselves. But the first time I was selfish, I was 15. When I decided to leave my mother's home, my mother had abandoned me when I was nine and kind of came back in my life when she was 12, when she was pregnant with my youngest brother. I'm the oldest of five. She needed me. She needed a babysitter. It was ultimately what she needed. She needed a babysitter. And I didn't realize how much damage had been done to her. She had been on drugs for a really long time, which was part of the whole abandoning thing. And she was doing everything that you're not supposed to do to protect your children. She really understood that I was connected to my brother. I was very protective. So she used that against me. She tried to throw him out the window. I broke my foot in multiple places, trying to catch him out of the third floor window. All of that still Mm. stayed, got to stay, got to protect him. All the things, 15. My last straw was when she ultimately, and this was probably the 20th time that she tried it, but it almost actually worked. She tried to sell me for sex to get drug money from one of her local dealers. And in that moment, I remember coming down the steps and this man approaching me like, your mom said it's okay. Mm. I remember Mm. having such a rage that I didn't understand at the time come through my entire body, like the tremors that I felt like my heart was tremoring. Everything was shaking in me, not because I was scared. I was angry. Like you have cried. It was something I just didn't think she would do, but that's how deep in her addiction she Mm. was. And in that moment, I knew that I was going to die. It was clearly a trauma, but I didn't understand it at the time. So I made a decision after calling my grandmother and saying like, can we come? Can, you know, we just come, you know, and stay. I figured it was safer than what it had been before because her husband who helped raise me was also an abuser. He was a pedophile and alcoholic, all kinds of things, but he had died a few years prior. So I'm like, this is my best bet. Like, let me, mm-hmm. let me go back. And she said, no, I'm yeah. not raising nobody's kids. You can come because you're independent, you work, you know, whatever, but I'm not raising nobody else's grandkids. You know, she had her own trauma, her own stuff. She also had severe mental health illness. And I didn't understand all right. that because that was my normal. Right. Mm-hmm. And when she said, no, I was broken, but I knew that if I didn't leave, there was no way that I would have survived the next couple of days, let alone the next couple of years. So I chose to leave my brother, who is 12 years younger than me. And I had to trust that he would be protected. And I had to leave him. 
And that was significantly hard for me, Willow. I had mm. to be selfish enough to save myself. And I did. I saved my life. And then when he was 13, my husband and I adopted him and we brought him back in the house. And I would say the next time that I was selfish was when I left the system and became an mm. entrepreneur because mm -hmm. people were really looking at me like, what is wrong with you? You hear that. This is a good job. This is a good, well-paying job. Why would you leave this system? Why would you leave these things? Why would you leave this salary? I'm like, I'm a social worker. Do you have any idea how much little <laughs> I make? Like, are you yeah. serious right now? But it was stable and consistent. So people didn't understand. I heard everything from you're crazy. Your marriage won't survive this. Why would you do this to your kids? Wait until they graduate. Why would I delay my dreams to show them this is how you make your dreams, dreams happen by not walking into and sh letting them see like the messiness of all of it. It was messy, as I'm sure you know. And all mm. the listeners who are entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial in the businesses that you run or own or you work in. It can be really messy when you're climbing any career ladder, whether it's the one you're creating or the one that you're in. And I needed them to see that. I needed mm -hmm. them to see this is healthy, hard work. Working in trauma with yeah. children as a social worker, was that something that you felt comfortable doing from the beginning because you had experienced it? Yeah. The, the ooey gooey stuff that you do with people now, yeah. how much are you going to that level? And are you dealing with extreme trauma like that still? I am. It's different. So because we have a company now, right? And so we have other coaches, mm -hmm. we call them certified selfish coaches. And then we also have certified success architects, which are a little bit more holistic. They, they deal with the relationship intimacy for work stuff too, and not just the interpersonal mm -hmm. that the selfish coaches do. Now, working with okay. me in a private advisory, I get to go deeper. We do all the things to get to every single nook and cranny that we need to. And you just have to be willing and ready. We don't do it from day one. We mm -hmm. make sure that you can handle it. And the main thing that I start with with people is help them get a little curious and adventurous and playful. Because if I can bring you up, then I know you have capacity for us to go deep. Okay. I'm processing that. Because I also have heard that you can only go as deep with someone else as you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that to be true? I do. And because I live in the space of and I don't necessarily think that that's always the case, right? Like I think mm. there are some humans, some potent humans that are just meant to mm -hmm. walk in the gift that way. However, there is something very powerful about working through with someone else what you've already been through because there's a, a deeper level of empathy that mm -hmm. you can have that most people wouldn't. And for some situations, it is exactly what people needed. They needed more of that level of resonating empathy, even more than they needed your skill. You talk about divorcing yourself. Mm. I've never heard this. Can you speak about that and what that means and how it can help create a much better life? Absolutely. So I'll say for a tangible takeaway for anyone listening to this, that's like, yeah, that, that, that's what I need. I need to divorce me, that old me that's holding me to these previous dreams, expectations, check boxes that I said I would do, all of the things that are just, not only are they not serving, but they're stifling and suffocating 
the you who's trying to expand and become a greater version than you could have ever imagined for yourself. One of the things that I did, and I know journaling is like, oh, journaling, but it's so like neuroscience wise, it's so therapeutic and it's so helpful with rewiring some parts of our brain. I had to write a letter to myself. It was a breakup letter. I had to break up with myself, like not to be mean to me. I had to be clear to be kind enough the way I would do it if I was like breaking up with a lover that I thought was, you know, we've all had them. If we're honest, those mm -hmm. people who are like, they're really good people. They're just not my people. Right. Like yeah. he's, he's a good dude. He's kind. He's honest. He works hard. He does all of it. We just don't have the spark. It's just something that's not connected. So I had to break up with myself in a letter. And then after I broke up with myself, I took, I feel like it was a couple of weeks, maybe it was a month to just sit in it, to just sit in the breakup, grieve the breakup, grieve the loss of the Nikita that I could always depend on. The Nikita that would absolutely not back down from any, any human, no matter how big, tall, fat, thick, skinny, whatever, that was always ready. You know, ready, you got that girl that's like always ready for it. I was always ready for it. And I needed to not be her because she was really getting in the way, but I needed to grieve her and know that I had to go into the unknown that was hard. So I cried a lot, like prostrate on the floor, snotty, not cute, mascara running cry. But what came up for me when I divorced myself before I then wrote the new engagement letter to myself, like, cause now I want to oh. get engaged to this new version mm -hmm. of me and be courted by this new version of me. It was, it was all triggered because in 2015, my son, who's my oldest graduated from high school and the original graduation date got changed last minute, but it was a conflict with a conference event that I had to be mm -hmm. at. And I did not go to the graduation. I had my husband and my daughter go, but it wasn't until years later that he told me that that hurt him, mm. that I wasn't there. But I had already started my divorce process because I knew while I was away, it was hard for me to be present. It was hard for me to concentrate. Yeah. I only have two regrets in my life. And that is, that is one mm. of them for sure. Okay. In those decisions, let's say people are faced with this, the selfish decision would have been to stay. Yeah, I think in this in this aspect, being intentionally selfish, giving myself a personal gift would have been to go to the graduation, to stay home, basically, to go to the graduation, knowing that everything I needed, I already had, and mm -hmm. everything else was on its way to me, because that's abundance, that's prosperity, is knowing, girl, you're putting this work. It's not like you sitting home wiggling your toes, you know, <laughs> hoping and wishing. Like there's no hopium here. Like you're doing, doing the work, right? <laughs> and I should have trusted it, but I didn't yeah. trust. I didn't that's trust. I should have been selfish. Are the shoulds. Mm. 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 What a good shoulda. Mm. Yes. And what what are some of your shoulds? Mm. Now? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now. Now. Oh God, I don't even know if I have too many shoulds now. It's the Let's worst see. word, but yeah, yeah. No, you know. you're you're right. I would say a should now in this hour of my life is. I should have my grandbabies more because that that is one thing that I'm like, oh, they don't live with me. And which is good, which is why I love them so much. Right. Because they're three <laughs> yes. and four. OK, like, <laughs> Ooh, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's my should is the grandbabies. Okay. Yeah. OK, 
Is there any shoulds for others in the work that you do or in the selfishness? Is there any mm-hmm. shoulds that people can relate to or, or implement? Yeah, it would be honestly around healthy relationships. It would be, you should have expansive boundaries. Your Mm. boundaries should not be so tight and so solid that you can't breathe and you have no fun. And you're like, oh, I got a boundary. You know, if you, if you're my cousin and you text me, I'm not responding for two weeks because I don't want you to think you have (laughs) too much access to me. Like that's not, that's an overly tight boundary. I tell people all the time, I am so available for you, but I'm not accessible. And there's, Mm. there's a difference. My accessibility is reserved for the people in this home. But outside of that, it's, it really depends on our relationship, the intimacy of our relationship. How deep is our reciprocity? You don't have access to anything that you didn't earn. And I think the Mm -hmm. should for other people is looking at like reevaluating their relationships. Like who's really earned the access that they have? Because if you got this person that's calling you every other week, two weeks, whatever, and you feel like you're spending two hours every time you're on the phone with them. But when you hang up, you're drained. You haven't Mm -hmm. been fueled. You're still trying to figure out why you took that time out. So I ask people to give themselves permission to pause. Like what Mm -hmm. makes you smile? Is that a middle of the day orgasm? Is that going and tapping on your human (laughs) and saying, listen, this is what I want right now. I don't want (laughs) to give you anything. I want to receive like whatever Mm -hmm. it is for you. Like do that and know that because you care about this other person that's engaged in it, you will also return the favor in your mm-hmm. own way, but in a way that fuels them and yep. isn't about you because that's what a good relationship is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the last point that hit me, <laughs> making you, you're sure- You're about to go play? We're about to hang <laughs> up and you're about to go play? <laughs> yeah. Not that point, but, (laughs) but the, which I like that point for sure is doing the things that they need rather than what you think they need or something that you would also enjoy reciprocating, but tailoring it specifically to them. Yes. I, Mm -hmm. when I please someone else, obviously sexually it's only my man, right? Like we've been 30 years rocking out. So nobody gets (laughs) this, but him, but even for him, like, it's not like I might want to, you know, sit next to him and cuddle or kiss on his neck or whatever, but he might prefer something else. So I'm going to think about how can I please him in this moment? Cause he definitely pleases me. And it's all about me when he does it. And even in the non-sexual romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. it's really taking turns with what you know is for the other person. Just be curious. It's really thinking about what would they want the most. And if you're not sure, you ask, Mm -hmm. ask. Yeah. Curiosity. That's everything. That's definitely a missing piece. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of assumptions going on. Okay. So one last question. Again, I have so many more, but (laughs) relationships with a forever partner. Mm-hmm. What are the top ways to increase intimacy, mm. boost intimacy? Are we talking sexual intimacy? Yeah, that's, let's go there. That way. Right? <laughs> yeah. My favorite subject. <laughs> right. Like, listen, mine too. The thing that boosts sexual intimacy for most humans, even the men, because women are ultra stimulated with emotional intimacy, but men are too, just in a, they need a different dosage. Like we need 
10x concentration of emotional intimacy. We need to know that we're on the same wavelength with you. We need to feel desired in your eyes well before you touch us, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's typically, I mean, we we have our quickie moments too. I'm not pulling away from that. But for the most part, like we really need to know that there's a deeper level of concentration of being wanted. Where men, you know, you can like rub their arm 10 minutes before they're good. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I have to typically, <laughs> you don't have to do too much there. And, you know, they also don't want to be nagged to death before the ultimate event of physical intimacy either. So that's a way that you can help boost their libido is making sure that you haven't broken them down with your Mm -hmm. attitude or with your words. Because if you're fussing at every single thing that a man, specifically talking about heterosexual relationships, which of Mm -hmm. course we could change this, but for heterosexual relationships, the men typically don't want to be, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Why didn't you do this? And then it's like, come on, babe, let's, let's go for it. You've just broken down their spirit. You Mm want to boost them. They like affirmation. They typically like to be told how good they smell, how much you love when they worked out and they're like sweating on their arms. Now you might not want to have sex with somebody who's sweaty. You might say hit that shower, but you can go play in the shower with them, which is a go-to for a lot of our power couples. Mm. When you've been in a relationship a long time, you stop looking at each other naked. Yeah. It's like, it just becomes a, a thing you don't do. When you were catching that golden, you know, mm-hmm. nuggets, you were lingerie and making sure everything was tight and right and the good panties was on and, and all yeah. of it. <laughs> now that you got him, you're like, he all right, he can see the period panties. That's cool. Like it's <laughs> but and which is which is true. Like you should be able to be your full self, but mm-hmm. they still want to be enticed and knowing that you're willing to love on your body, feel sexy in your skin. And if I'm picking on lingerie, but it could be t-shirt and boy shorts, like whatever makes you feel sexy. Mm-hmm. But when you feel sexy, your confidence increases, which automatically heightens the libido for both of you yeah. in that moment. So I would say first and foremost, you need to feel sexy in your own skin, whatever that looks like. I would say the second thing is really making sure that you have those moments all throughout your week where you are teasing each other. The buildup of anticipation, mm. honey, <laughs> before we even get to edging and all the other physical versions of that. When you build up anticipation, kissing on their erogenous zones, the nape of the neck, for some people, it's the actual genital areas. For some people, it's the meaty part near the genital Mm -hmm. area. So it might be the side of her boob, the inside of her thigh, but don't go all the way up, right? Like, and for men too, Mm -hmm. it's the same. Like kiss, rub, touch, tickle, lick, like do all those little things, but don't go all the way there. And then two or three days, if you can hold out that long, Then you have this moment where you invite them into some water play. Water play Mm. is always easy because the water element by itself just adds a little bit of adventure. Mm -hmm. Don't fall in the shower, people. (laughs) (laughs) Please do not slip. (laughs) That's not, there's nothing sexy about a naked person Mm -mm. falling. But that's what I would say to start with is build up some anticipation and be mindful of what feels good to them Mm -hmm. while making sure that you feel completely desirable in your own skin. Okay. A lot of good tips there. Honey, I could go yeah. deeper. I'm trying to keep it PG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the next podcast. <laughs> Thank you. And intimacy isn't just physical, of course. Mm-hmm. So within the relationship, the intimacy also is sharing. 
Oh, it's right. 12 different types of intimacy. 12. So okay. there, there's physical intimacy, which we know and we think of that as basically sex, right? The sexual mm-hmm. slash physical intimacy. Because there's so many off the top of my head. There's communication intimacy, which we know is just being able to have a conversation where you share in the listening and the giving in the conversation. There's the aesthetic intimacy when you can share in the beautification of things for people, which might look like going for a walk in nature mm-hmm. and you can share in the beauty. If if you find nature beautiful, go to an art gallery and share in the beauty, make some art. Now that's, you know, I could take you back to physical <laughs> intimacy with that one, but keeping it PG. <laughs> There's also conflict intimacy, being able mm. to share and hear and process each other's pain as well as deal with really painful situations. That that's a hard thing for a lot of people. Conflict intimacy looks like you had a really hard day with a toxic client at work. And then you wanted to just download with your partner. Like, I just need to talk about what this is, what it's bringing up for me. Do I fire this client? Do I move on? Do I refer them? Do I shut down the whole business? And knowing that your partner, your forever lover, as I call them, that you're talking to is like, babe, well, tell me what's going on. Let me see if I can help you troubleshoot this. They don't have to be the expert, but they have to be able to be in it with you. So you don't feel like you're just talking to drying paint on the wall. There's work intimacy. It just means you have to be able to work through things that are work related together. There's spiritual intimacy where you guys get to share in that, right? Like it gets into so many different layers and and levels of it, but intimacy is way more than emotional and physical, which are the two that most people think of. There's financial intimacy. Like, Mm -hmm. can we get deep about money? Some people will rather show you their naked body than their bank account. And that's, that's real. (laughs) That is very true. I had, I didn't know of all these different, Mm -hmm. these layers and and names for it. It's fascinating. How can people find you? Thank you. If they're not already a listener, hint, hint for the Balanced Mm -hmm. Goalie podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. Come over to FigPro, T-H-I-G-P-R-O.com and just about everything you need for our company, the different ways we work with potent humans and power couples and even organizations, everything is there. Those are the easiest. Thank you. I'm so appreciative of you being here, your energy, all the work that you do in the world and sharing your story. I appreciate you. Thank you for having this incredible space because it is sacred. And I love that you you. are fully invested. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being here. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference for visibility. And even better, share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode every other Wednesday. If you're interested in working together to elevate your online presence, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram at whereiswillow. I also hang out on LinkedIn, Willow McDonough. Until then, cheers to carving your own fucking path. I love you.